Welcome to Bicycle Retail Radio, the bicycle industry podcast that brings retailers, vendors, advocates, and thought leaders to the mic for honest discussions about the latest issues facing retailers while taking an in-depth look at the person within the profession. Registration is officially open, and we want you to join us for the second annual NBDA Retailer Summit. May 22nd and 23rd in Bentonville, Arkansas. Our 2024 program features two dynamic days of presentations, panel discussions, and breakout sessions aimed to unite retailers and suppliers in conversation. Tickets include an event gift bag, tailored educational events, networking cocktail event and select meals, early access to the Bentonville Bike Fest, not to mention ample riding time on world-class trails. You won't want to miss it, so don't get registered today at nbda.com. All right, welcome to the Flex. Today is our Retail Design Flex. Hey, Brian, thanks for joining. Hi, hello, hello, hello. Hi, <laughs> I'm Heather Mason, NBDA president. I'm joined here today by Brian Hawkins. Brian is with Fixture Lab, and he has been helping the MBDA for some time now with our featured podcast all about retail design. We talk about remodeling, remerchandising, store design. I mean, we get into it, and I am thrilled for today's topic. Brian, always great to see you. It's lovely to see you. Happy and I February. can't believe that it's like February already. It's Anne, listeners, we are taping on Love Day. Today is the official Valentine's Day that we celebrate. So there's that. <laughs> That's all I got about that. That's why I have a pink background. That's why Brian has a pink background. Yes. So if you're listening, when you're driving, when you're running, when you're riding, uh, highly suggest that when you get home, when you get home or to your office, uh, pull open the MBDA YouTube channel. You can actually watch this podcast there. And I highly suggest you do because you'll get to see us. And I know Brian most likely will have some slides today. So we'll have some visuals that you'll want to check out. Right, Brian? No way. I've never had visuals in one of these presentations at all. Like never, never. Um, yeah. so and when you're on that youtube channel and you watch this episode if you go back through our past youtube videos you'll see lots of great stuff we've done um and there's some fabulous fabulous episodes in there um i know they're fabulous because i've been hearing from retailers that they are loving what we're doing so that's always good to hear i hear the same thing like when we get phone calls from a brand new uh, retailer for uh, for us, a lot of the time they say they were creeping us on NBDA videos and yeah. podcasts. So I know it's working. It, it's kind of weird though. They're like, I saw that podcast and I'm like, you did. No, but it's good, but it's good. But I hope I didn't say something bad. Um, <laughs> listeners, if you don't know who Fixture Lab is, let me just dive into that before we get into today's episode. So Fixture Lab has been in bike shop design and merchandising for years. 
Um, they create hardworking solutions for bicycle retailers every day, which has paid off big for many shops. So sometimes when Brian and I go into these episodes, we'll have uh, some visuals that show some of the actual fixtures that Fixture Lab makes, but they also help design cutting edge retail spaces. Um, so and I know Brian has worked with many retailers who are opening a store or who are just ready for a remodel. And Brian can do everything from come right in and, and, and get to work himself or to help talk you through ways that you could do projects yourself. So it's really a bunch of stuff, right, Brian? A bunch of stuff. <laughs> a bunch of stuff. So fixturelab.com, check out the website. Um, and this podcast we do bi-monthly. And the idea here is that we cover the most pressing questions on store design. So you can send us questions if you'd like us to answer them. Brian, what can people send us questions on? What topics are we looking for? Um, well, recently, I would say that uh, the most commonly asked questions are things like, um, I think there's a ghost in the service department. How do I get rid of it? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that's definitely a common one. How big of a TV should our service menu be if we're going to put it on a screen? Mm -hmm. um, how the heck do I display mountain bike tires? Oh, yeah. Things like that. Like really simple things like that. And if you have questions like that, or if you have a spot in your store that you want to work on, that you need ideas for, send us pictures, send us video, send us anything. And we can protect your identity if you want so that nobody knows who we're talking about. But it's super helpful to see pictures and you could be the topic of the very next podcast. You never know. It's really cool. So design at nbda.com, design at nbda.com. And uh, we recently uh, focused on a retailer who had a name change, uh, Nina, uh, her business, uh, Fat Frogs, and, and Brian redid the whole business. And we feature that. And now Nina and I are like doing stuff together. She's in our continuing education class. We're super close. So Honestly, we want your questions so we can help and we can make a big impact on your business. And uh, it's really cool. So I have- Amen, sister. Yeah. Retailers all the time are like, I should send you. And then for some reason they get busy. Well, stop what you're doing and send us those photos and videos. Design nbda.com. All right. What are we going to do? Should we get into this? Well, let's yes. do a reminder first. We asked last time for our listeners to send yeah. us- um, two things. One, to send us pictures or images of things they're really proud of in their store. So we're still collecting those. So keep sending those. And the other one was the electric bike safety topic. So we wanted uh, pictures or videos or even an email about any policy you have put in place, a excuse me, a special charging station, um, anything you're using, uh, anything you've implemented in the store to keep product and people safe. So anything at all, because we're doing a lot with that data and we're going to come forward with something soon. Right, Brian? Yep, exactly. Okay. Um, well, let's get into it. So today's Valentine's Day. So our big topic of the day is hearts, roses, bikes. Uh, Brian. Heather, today is lighting day. <laughs> Lighting day. This is such an important topic. Right? It's it's a huge topic. And I've got a bunch of stuff to show us. So I'm going to dig in. And then you should 
pepper me with hard questions wherever you want. All right. So guys, before we, before we get super, 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 super into the deep, you know, I know when I visit stores, I can tell right away if the lighting is right or wrong. Like it's a, it's a super clear, easy visual for me. Um, So I'm asking you in your own personal thoughts, why do we need to care about lighting so much? I know for me, it's because it's like, I'm in the store, I'm not even going in, I'm in or I'm out. But why should we as retailers care about it so much? Well, I just happened to have a slide all about that. Oh. So let me just dig in. And then okay, okay. Look at okay. These things. Um, I need to share my screen. How does that look? I can't see what it looks like. It looks great. It, it's telling me that in 30 minutes, I'm going to become a lighting expert. Yes, it's going to be amazing. And you're going to be able to... Uh, speak phrases that you've never spoken before when talking to a contractor or someone about the lighting in your store. You're going to sound so smart. Um, they're going to think that you're an absolute pro. Brian, can I just tell you that when I go to buy light bulbs and I see that Watts thing, I have no idea. I just go with 75 because like in the middle. I just got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> By the end of the, in 30 minutes, you're going to be able to make better decisions than just randomly picking something. Cause we're gonna talk through types of lights, light fixture examples, color temperatures. We're gonna do like, we're gonna give you the terminology and tell you what it means so that you know how to implement things. So we're gonna talk color temperature, beam angles, lumens, foot candles, energy efficiency, pricing, examples of good and bad lighting and common lighting fails. Sounds juicy, right? Yes. All right, so here's the answer to your question. Dun, dun, dun. Why should we care about lighting? The first thing is the great lighting engages the customer for longer. We know that we want to engage the customer for as long as we can in the store. Um, this is a fine line or it's a detail, but great lighting helps to engage people for longer because it makes the space more comfortable more aesthetically pleasing, and it just makes you want to stay there longer, stay there more, right? Second one is great lighting gives product more perceived value. We've all seen displays that are lit horribly, and what's really communicated when that happens is that you don't care or you don't know, and the finer details of doing this retail store haven't been handled well, which decreases the perceived value, totally. Three, great lighting helps generate repeat visits, kind of related to one up above. Since we're creating that atmosphere that's more comfortable, more pleasing to be in, people want to come back more. And when you put all those things together, great lighting sells product and makes you more money. So why wouldn't you want to do great lighting in your store, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm so resonating with all four of these and I'm thinking as a retailer, as a, as, as a former retailer, I knew lighting was important, but it felt like just such a big thing to like bite off. You know, the the lights are high. I have to get a ladder. I have to move merchandise. I have to pick the right stuff. It's going to be expensive. All those reasons. So I'm really excited about today. Thank you, Brian. I should also point out that uh, lighting to some degree is kind of a, uh, art form rather than a science. It is, there's a lot of science to it, but sometimes, uh, you'll see retailers 
you know, all different kinds of retailers that choose different strategies with their lighting. Like in, uh, in Abercrombie stores, the lighting is very dim, except for some very intense spotlights and things. That's their strategy. Um, what I'm talking about today, you could shoot holes in if you have a different strategy for your store, but I'm going to tell you about the things that we set up that we found that most often work, especially in cycling retailers. Brian, I'm noticing that my lighting on my video is not that great today. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, but, but you know, you're right. Um, okay. Let's after go. heal thyself. <laughs> okay. So the types of lights that we're going to be talking about inside the store are, and I'm going to define these and I'll show you examples. So Ambient lights, uh, spotlights, decorative and accent lighting, task lighting, and utility lighting. Makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Every retail store is going to have examples of, or should have, examples of all of these things inside their store. So I'm just going to show you some typical fixtures so that we kind of get our arms around what we're looking at or what we're looking for. Oh boy. When I say ambient and area light fixtures, I mean light fixtures that are meant to cast a broad light and, and raise the overall light level in the store to a certain degree. Um, so I would say the most common these days is this kind of UFO pendant or the high bay lights. Um you can also have fluorescent lights. There could be panels with fluorescence behind them or LEDs behind them. Uh, cylinder lights that are stuck to the ceiling or hanging down as a pendant can also work as an area light. Recessed lights, it, sometimes it takes a lot of those to create an area light, but but those are commonly used as well. Brian, with so many different like light fixture options, are there ones that make more sense to use? Like, Are there ones that are better for the planet or like is that something we should be thinking about too uh, we're going to be talking about energy efficiency and really with the building codes today you can't even get by with with uh choosing an option that isn't energy efficient okay unless you're not going to be permitting something and you're just replacing a light yourself so for the most part they're better for the planet if they're more energy efficient um and the, and the right solution for the store really, really depends on the individual characteristics of the store itself. Okay. If you've got very high ceilings, um, chances are you're going to be looking at a solution like this UFO pendant or the high bay, traditional old high bay light there. They're intended to be very strong and can be, you know, they could be 25 feet off the floor of the store uh, and, and light that area. This little recessed light isn't going to do that. But if you've got a little, you know, if your store has an area where it's the ceiling height's only eight feet, then something like that might be what you're looking for. And then there's aesthetics. Like uh, these all look very different. They all do different jobs in terms of pulling off the aesthetic you're looking for. So that also plays into the decision. So spotlight fixtures, I'm moving on. Uh, there's a couple basic, you know what I should point out, <laughs> people make a career out of talking lighting for retail, you know, there's, this is a big topic. So we're not going to go in that deep because we don't have 30 years to spend here. I'm going to skim over some things and we're going to skip 
some information, but I'm trying to give you the most important stuff quickly. And if you, if anybody has questions, you can always call me. You can Thank always you. reach me through Heather. You can, you know, you can reach out. Um, okay. So non-integrated uh, spotlight fixtures. And these are typically ones that go into the track on the ceiling. Uh, I say non-integrated because the the fixture, like in this case, this black thing here, holds this kind of a light bulb and that light bulb screws into it. So it's two separate pieces that you buy separately. Um, typically, I'm showing some very broad pricing because it really depends on the brand that you buy and how you buy it and what you're looking for exactly. Um, you need to buy the bulb and the fixtures separate here, but typically the non-integrated fixtures are less expensive than the integrated fixtures. Yeah, they it's, don't seem that expensive. Really. I mean, I know they add up, but it doesn't seem- No, you know what? Like years ago, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, if you looked at lighting, the <clears throat> the equation would be completely different. It, was so, it used to be so much more expensive to light your store than it is nowadays. Um, the fact that we can get this very strong, very great light in your store for that little money. And it lasts for 25 years. If it's a good one, like, man, it's, it's just so much easier than it used to be. Uh, okay. So these are non-integrated fixtures. They tend to be a little bit less expensive, but there's variations on everything. And then there are also integrated heads in an integrated head. The uh, LED, the electronics, the diode that creates the light is built into the fixture. So you can't change out the bulb, which is good and bad. I mean, uh, typically the integrated fixtures are a good quality and you don't have to replace the bulb ever. So it's, uh, it's not a big deal to not be able to pull the bulb out. But if this light stops working, you need to replace that whole that whole head. Mm. And I'm showing different prices down here. Like on the very inexpensive end, you can get lights off of Amazon that look like these lights here. And they can be really inexpensive. Um, and it's very easy to get an integrated head that becomes much, much more expensive. Um, so you just got to be careful about what you're what you're looking for. And these days, uh, so much of this product is created uh, overseas and they're really trying to hit a low, low price point. You got to be careful because to some degree, you're going to get what you pay for. The less expensive the light, the more the chances are that, that uh, the power supply or other pieces of the electronics in that light might go bad. And when you see a light that's flickering or you see a light that's turning on and off like a strobe light kind of a thing. That's what's going on is the electronics, the power supply in those lights is fritzing out and they need to replace that head or that light. Interesting. All right. <clears throat> Next up is decorative and accent lights. They are just what they sound like decorative. The light is there. I picked out a couple examples here that show colorful lights and these are meant to do as much for the aesthetic of the store in terms of, you know, the light just looks cool and it helps bring about a certain aesthetic. 
as much as it is lighting the store. This little light here, the one with the with the round things around them, yeah. those aren't doing a whole lot to light the product below, but they are doing a lot to pull off the aesthetic of the store. I love these stitches you bring into your slides. It really gets the mind thinking. Thank you. Oh, another thing I was going to say here, yeah, this is uh, the one down here. And I'm going to show some examples from bike shops and other retailers because it's all relevant when it comes to lighting. Um, this is accent lighting where you have, you might have accent lighting under a shelf to highlight the stuff below, or you might have it in a cubby like they do in this picture here to help accent the product on display. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, task lights are lights that you use for doing tasks. So it could be something like a light underneath a counter uh, to help light the countertop below it. It could be something, you know, like a gooseneck light or something like that that you use for specific use inside the store. Um, you know, like you might have something like this next to your wheel truing stand and be able to see what's going on there. I don't know. And then other things like uh, these strip lights are very common over like workbenches and and repair stations, things like that. So there are just lights that want to light up a broad area for a task that you're doing below. And then utilities, the last category, and those are just just lights that need to be there. Um, uh, the lights in in the bathroom, the lights around a mirror in the bathroom. Uh, lights in the closet in the back room they don't necessarily have to a lot of the time have to pull off a, an aesthetic because they are in a back room they're not really being seen by customers they don't need to be beautiful they just need to light a space mm -hmm. right if a retailer listening to this is wondering are my lights working for me like do i have a good solution could they take pictures and send it to you? Could they get you on a Zoom call and do a walk around? Like how, like without being in the space, is it easy for you having a design eye to tell if the lighting is working for the retailer or could be improved? You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is tough to take pictures of bad lighting these days because your phone, which is what people are typically using to take the picture, it's so darn good at compensating for bad lighting. Um, you can take a picture of a space that looks horrible in real life and somehow the the phone brings it to life, you know? So it's challenging, but you know, there's tips and tricks to making that happen. And usually I can spot it and you wanna look, you're, you're, you're thinking the right way because we're going to look at some examples of stores and I'm going to have you tell me what's going on. This is always so, this is always the challenging part for me listeners when Brian says you're thinking the right way because I'm going to have you. I always <laughs> get very nervous about that. <laughs> All right. Can you see this model of this store? Yes. Yep. Okay, good. This is a store that we recently helped out with, and it has lights built into the model that we used to describe the store. So I thought it would be helpful to see where these different kinds of lights fall into the plan. So here we're looking at the floor plan. The front door is 
front door is over here. And then this is the back room over here, little service area. So if we look at the store from this kind of perspective, this is about what you see when you walk in the front door. So the different kinds of lights that we can see are the spotlights going down this row here, that row there, and then there's some more in there. There are some decorative or some uh, feature uh, accent kind of lights over here that we'll look at closer in a second. Some more pendants that are hanging down that help light product below, but they really just kind of look cool as well. Let me show you another view of the same space. Okay, so we've got frames on the wall on these special fixtures that we made. Got a big graphic. There are lights inside that graphic too, but we won't talk about that stuff today. You can see the row of spotlights. Um, also visible in here is these strips are the area lights that we used in that store. Awesome. These raise the overall light level. And then these, the spotlights, help to really add some punch to the product itself that's on display. This shop looks awesome. It looks really fabulous. I love the mixture of different lights and, you know, being someone who, uh, you know, this hasn't been a photo. I'm, I'm just learning myself today. I can see how integrating different styles of lights can be vis both visually appealing and highlight the product. As we're looking at these, these lights, thank you, by the way, uh, as we're looking at these lights, a lot of the time, what the question that I get or the comment that that I get when we show this kind of a light in a space is, uh, will that actually light the product down here? And it's I already said it a couple times. The this style light isn't meant to really light the product below it all that well. It just is meant to help make that area look like a featured area and help you pay attention and make make the space comfortable. All right. Back to this stuff. You ready to dig into some nitty gritty science about lights? I am so totally ready. Thank you. Heather, do you have any idea what color, te color temperature is in lighting? What is color temperature in lighting? Um, is that <laughs> like how much like rose is in the, like, I don't know. Uh, no, I have no idea. Bam! <laughs> You're going to have the answer now. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go through these things and then we'll look at the label of a light and, and when i said rose i meant like warmth that's what i meant that's what i meant so <laughs> okay, good. perfect so it is a warmth or a coolness factor measured in kelvin that's what the k means um so without getting into a lot of science there's a big range and a candle is somewhere in that 1000 range, very, very warm. It's a flame, you know, like a flame is 1000 K. And on the other end of the spectrum is a much cooler light in this thing here. It's 10,000 over here. It's 8,000 sunlight is around five to 6,000, depending on clouds and conditions, things like that. A sunset obviously gets warmer over there. Different, different kinds of color temperatures are needed to pull off different aesthetics. However, most commonly the color temperature range that we shoot for in stores is three to 4,000 K. Oh, okay. 
And, and one thing that you don't want to do is mix the color temperatures in the store. There's a few different schools of thought there too. Like you might want to light a certain kind or a, a part of the store in a temperature and then change that temperature for another part of the store. Personally, I find that most often isn't as good as just lighting the whole store very consistently. So we, if you get spotlights that are 3,500K, you want every light in the shop to be 3,500K if you can. So it's like a hospital, like 65 or 8,000. Is that like, like, cause they want to have really great optics. That's a really good example. Typically a hospital kind of a space, they typically light that five to 6,000. Okay. All right. And we don't want to be that sterile. Cause we want to, so that's why we're looking for no. something a little bit. Yeah. And as soon as I say that you're going to walk through the mall and you're going to find examples of stores that are lit at 6,000 K <laughs> that is their look. That's just the way that they do things. Um, with the products that we have in bike shops, uh, think clothing, think great graphics on bikes. And, you know, we've got metal and all that kind of stuff. I feel like the cooler the light, the less aesthetically pleasing it becomes. So 3,000 to 4,000 is really a great range to stick in. So I'm showing you this I had to retouch this to kind of fake what I'm talking about. But if we lit this with the wrong temperature of light, um, I cooled this image down. So it's I'm pretending that they're lighting this with 5000K. Um, and if you light it with Whoa. a warmer light, <laughs> I'm, I'm faking it, but, you know, it, it gets the point across. The, the color rendering, the, the color of product will jump out more with, the, with a little bit warmer light because typically colors that we're dealing with are nice and punchy and bright and warm. So, I mean, I think my eye has one of, like, goes to one of these visuals, but is one of these the better option or, or like you're showing two different options here. Is there a better one in your mind or? I'm, I'm suggesting that in most cases that this one is the one that we want to be shooting for because I feel like it brings out the colors of the product that they have on display, which happens to be fruit in this case or food. Because there's so many different colors. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Cause so, I know this one was the better one. It's just one. something to think about. And like I said, mixing the color temperatures in the store kind of creates a, uh, dissonance between the 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 colors in the stores so you don't want to do that you want to keep it all consistent commit to it and there you go uh, heather do you know what beam angles are well brian um well a beam angle would be the the, the beam the beam of light and it's going yes certain direction that maybe has an angle to it uh like highlighting a product or oh well okay <laughs> oh you were right on it right on it okay when you buy lights especially spotlights every every light that you're gonna buy has a beam angle uh, that's in, inherent in that light some lights like the area lights that we were looking at have a very very wide beam angle like they spread light everywhere uh the old-fashioned light bulb 
shoots light out from all sides and that has an extremely wide beam angle. But a spotlight narrows that down so that we focus the light on the product, on the, the subject below. And since we have to put these lights, most often have to put them up at ceiling level, which might be 10 or 15 feet above the product, a lot of times a narrower beam angle is much, much better because it adds punch mm -hmm. to the product. Now, you'll when you go through, when you walk through Home Depot and you look at uh, lights, we're going to look at lights here in a, in a few minutes and you'll be able to tell the difference between them. Um, when you look at a floodlight at Home Depot, a lot of the time, the beam angle is going to be wider like this one. Because they're not thinking they're selling to a retail store. They're typically selling to a homeowner. And inside a kitchen, you might want a very wide beam angle so that you're raising the light level in the kitchen in a, in a visually pleasing way. In our case, though, I usually shoot for a spotlight that has a beam angle of 24 degrees or 20 degrees or that kind of range because it helps to focus the light in a nice intense way on the product below. Right, question. So are you saying that maybe Home Depot might not have the right lights for a retailer or we just need to be aware of this so when we're looking, we find the right It's light. the latter. Okay. You can find what you need to a lot of the time. And online these days, you can definitely find everything you need. Um, so... Don't just settle for whatever Home Depot or Lowe's or whoever has on hand. If you know what you're looking for, and you will by the time this podcast is over, know what you're looking for and then don't buy the wrong thing. But most often you can find something that's pretty darn close to what you're looking for. Excellent. Okay, so we're looking at beam angles still, and I pulled up this image. The beam angles that they're using with the lights that they've got in this space create the ability for them to do things like, and I know this is a restaurant, it's not a bike shop, but same same thing applies when you're showing product in a bike shop. See how there's puddles of light around these little displays of food, the little pots of food? <clears throat> they had to choose a very narrow beam angle uh, to make that happen. And there's great contrast between what surrounds that product and the lighted product inside the center of that beam. So the, that was a very specific choice on their part. I have to tell you, I think they nailed it. Yeah, it's very, it's very pleasing, right? Yes, 100%. All right. Do you know what a lumen is? Um, lumens measure the amount of visible light emitted from a source of light. The more lumens, the brighter the space. Holy cow. I don't know how you got that so easily. That's really great. <laughs> Thank you. This, a lumen measures the amount of light that comes from the light itself. And it's, uh, we're gonna be talking about foot candles in a second. It's a different thing. A lumen is, how much light's coming from the light itself. A candle delivers about 12 lumens to give you that frame of reference. 
It's actually very interesting because as a past 24 hour mountain biker, I used to be heavily relying on my lights and they always would talk about lumens when it came to. I'm so glad you said that. That's a, it's a perfect example because people know like the headlights for your helmet or your bike, the lumens are always marked on those. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, uh, you can't, you can't say on a package for a headlight, this delivers uh, X number of foot candles of light because we don't know how far away you're going to be lighting something. But they can say, here's how much light is delivered from the little LED in this fixture or this headlight. Um, so that's why they use lumens. And it just, you know, the higher the number, the brighter the light, basically. So like... Um, how many lumens do we want? Like, like do we want, do, do, does each light, should we be trying to optimize the capacity of each light, I guess, Brian, or of each well, individual light fixture? You, there's very scientific ways to, uh, to determine the light levels that you want inside the store and measured in foot candles. Uh, delivered to the product or the floor or whatever it is. Um, that's too deep for us to get into. Okay. But um, if you think about, well, okay, there's a, there's a lot of different things to this. The, uh, one is the contrast that you're looking for, which we're going to talk about in a second, between the spotlighting and the area light. That's a really important component, and it has some to do with how bright the lights are. Um. And then there is, there's, <laughs> there's the aesthetic that you're shooting for, whether you want a certain kind of a mood in that store. Uh, there's a lot of factors to that. I think by the time we get through this, though, I went deep. I always, I have a no, you're fine. So as a frame of reference, a sixty watt bulb. You said seventy five watt bulb to begin with when mm -hmm. we started. Okay, so sixty is very close to seventy five. Similar is equivalent to these days a 60 watt bulb is equivalent to about a nine watt led which specifically shows you how much power savings there is there you know it is dramatically less um it uses dramatically less power these days to create the same number of lumens so that's why we want an led because it's going to save us money yeah and like i said building codes <laughs> these days pretty much rule out anything but LEDs with a few exceptions. And that's what everybody is selling. So it's hard to get other types of lights anyway these days. So did I give away that like I haven't bought light bulbs in forever then? By no, because that. there's always an equivalent marked oh. on a package. Okay. <laughs> like when you look at LED bulbs, it always has the, the, the traditional watt, right? incandescent wattage that it's the equivalent of. We're going to see that in a second. Okay. Okay, a foot candle is the light that's delivered to a surface or to a product. And you can see from this diagram here that the further you get from the light, the lower the foot candles are. And that has to do with that beam angle and the dispersion of the light. Um, so that the further away you are, the wider that beam has been spread out. And the less effective light is uh, reaching, you know, that one little square inch or that square foot or whatever it is below. 
So brighter at the top and it won't be as bright towards the bottom. Right. Which means that distance plays a big role in making the right choices in the lighting. I understand. Way too many times you see lights that are like 20 feet off the floor of a store and the lights are small. And all that means is that the light, the little bit of light that that one is, that that bulb is delivering isn't going to do much at ground level because that light's so high. We always have to bring our uh, tracks of lights, our spotlights down into a space a little bit closer to the product so that the light delivered on the product itself is bright enough to make the difference that we want it to make. Interesting. So we think about like replacing fixtures or changing light bulbs, but it might just be lowering the actual light unit so it's closer. I, and exactly. I have to tell you, when you said foot candle, I'm thinking like a candle next to a foot or a bubble bath. I don't know. As just so you know, like I had no idea. So <laughs> I'm always honest. <laughs> yep, you are. <laughs> but to just to seal the deal on this point, uh, you're exactly right. That lowering the light fixture might be all that's necessary to fix a lighting problem. And conversely, I think that might be the way, the right way to say that. Um, you can, if a just because a light delivers 1200 lumens doesn't mean that it's always going to work well in your store. If you put that light 30 feet away from something, it's not going to do much. Mm -hmm. It's kind of intuitive, you know, because the further you get from a light, the dimmer it looks. But, but these are scientifically speaking, that's the way that this is all uh, thought about. And if you are working with, uh, a lighting designer or an electrician that does this kind of stuff, you can generate plans that are called photometric studies of your store. And they'll take this, the specific uh, parameters of the lights that you have in the store and tell you how many foot candles are being delivered to the floor or to the product in those areas. And it'll be represented by a thousand little numbers all over your floor plan that say like 23 or 100 or whatever. So there's a very scientific way to, to handle this. And when we design stores, most often we do a photometric study just to make sure that the light and the heights and the styles of lights and everything that we're, everything that's uh, a part of the plan are working together. Oh, wow. Hmm. Okay. So, I grabbed this one. I'm not showing you because this is great lighting. I'm just showing because this was taken before we put any product on the walls. And I just realized that this shows the puddles of light very nicely. It does. Uh, the it's, lights it's, haven't been aimed. And you can see when the lights like these ones over here are pointed more straight at the wall, that puddle of light that's coming out from it, which is due to the, this is your quiz, Heather. Oh boy. Here it comes. What is the factor involved that we just talked about that creates the small puddle of light from the fixture that's right here? The foot candle? <laughs> <laughs> it's the beam angle. The beam angle. Damn right. it. <laughs> so these have got a narrow beam angle. So the puddle of light is relatively small. But the further you get, like you can see with one of these lights is aimed a little bit more down towards the bottom that light spreads out a bit more. 
I'm sorry. I am paying it's, attention, Brian. I no, just, I know, I know. It's also why aiming the lights is very important. So, so the more lights is better, right? Not so quick. <laughs> <laughs> There's, uh, I, I found this online and it's a great uh, diagram that shows the concept here. Uh, you can light up a shop. It's, it is true that it's nearly impossible to overlight a bike shop because uh, the more lights you put in, the more money you spend. And most people stop shy of overlighting the store. If anything, they stop before they reach a point where it's lit well enough. But um, you could theoretically overlight a store where you've got so many lights, so many ambient lights, so many spotlights, so many all the lights that you create very flat lighting conditions where the shadows are minimized, contrast is minimized, and that's not what you're looking for. Mm. The best looking stuff, any of the good examples that we look at in these slides have great contrast in the displays that they're doing. Now that we're going through this, it makes me even think like when we use paint, like on one wall and different color paint on the other wall, how that probably even ties mm -hmm. into everything. There can definitely be a color, you know, the light bouncing off of a bright colored wall is going to affect the, the, the things in front of it or the things around it for sure. A very dark wall is going to soak up more light. So it just creates a different condition. You really want, when we're looking at the photometric studies of stores, if we just look at what the ambient lights do to the space, say the ambient lights bring the light level of the whole store up to 30 foot candles, pretty common, um, 20 to 30 foot candles for the whole area. We want the spotlights hitting the products to bring the light level up to 90 or 100 or even higher so that you have great contrast between the areas surrounding and the stuff that we're really highlighting inside the light. That's what helps to make this, uh, the lighting aesthetically pleasing and helps to really make the, the products pop. So there might be spots in your retail store, let's say in the storeroom or in your office where we're just lighting stuff up just so we can see or work in there. But when it comes to your showroom floor, right. I think we really need to relook at this and reassess this. This is important stuff. A lot of times you want to bring the ambient light level of the store down so that the spotlights can shine more. Mm. Uh, uh, you mentioned areas of the store where we want tons of light. Uh, the service area and service writing areas that those are examples of areas where you just want a ton of light coming from all different angles because it's annoying. Everybody knows this from their own personal experience. It's annoying to be trying to work on a bike and you're trying to see a detail. Like, I don't know, it might be the way that brake pads are spaced <clears throat> in there or a small bolt or a screw or something. And it's annoying to have shadows that get in the way of seeing that. So you just, in those areas, really want to light things up with a good, ambient light, a good task light that is non-directional as much as possible. Oh boy. 
<laughs> if you're listening, definitely watch the YouTube video because we have a chart. That's see, Heather, this is your 75 watt bulb here. Yes. Yes. So, so relatively speaking, the 75 thing, 75 watt bulb that you're accustomed to looking for delivers 1100 lumens approximately. Um, which is, and you go across here, which is equivalent on an LED to about 17 watts. Look at the city. These, Look at the these vary, by the way, like you'll find online <clears throat> different lights that do, that perform differently. But you know, this is a handy chart and it gets you in the ballpark of thinking the right way. I feel like we should just spring and get the LED for the extra money, right? Like, well. I'm, these days, the LED is not more extra money. So oh, it's not the CFL. I'm not, I, and I'm not showing you these because I'm trying to sell one type of light over the other. It's just a relative idea of how they relate to each other. We'll look at the compact fluorescent and the halogen here in a second too. But okay. also look at the life, the rated oh. lifespan of those lights. It's completely different with the LEDs than really anything else. And that makes it worth spending the money on right there. Mm -hmm. All right. So these are the different kinds of lights that we just looked at there so that you can recognize them in the store. And there will be a quiz, Heather. I got it. <laughs> these, you don't see these very often in stores, but we still do see them in stores. It's a traditional old halogen floodlight. Uh, most often we don't see them these days because they've burned out and you had to replace them with something else. They are inefficient. They're expensive to run because they use a lot of energy. They have fairly short lifespan. In the olden days, years ago, metal halide lamps also looked like this. Um, metal halide lights are those ones that you turn on the light switch and then it feels like the lights take forever to turn on. And they kind of buzz usually. They like when you turn them on, they buzz like an old gymnasium light. If you have any of these in your space, in your in your store, or even your house for that matter, um, there's so much better options than this little light these days. The MR16 is a completely antiquated technology that doesn't do anything for you. It's super hot, burns out quickly. Uh, if, well, I see these very rarely now, but if you did, replace them. Uh, compact fluorescent are becoming less and less uh, prevalent out there. Uh, there was a time a few years ago when you saw a lot of these because they last a lot longer than incandescent lights and halogen lights. They are more well, energy efficient. They don't have any pop at all. <laughs> they really don't. I can see that you know exactly what you're talking about. They don't have any pop. Um, you can see the little the little curly Q light bulb inside that fixture there. So they have made, they do make floodlights that have these kind of elements inside of them, but really there's so much better options these days. So just avoid these things altogether. Unless there's a good reason, like your fixtures in the ceiling, take this kind of lamp and you just need to do that. Usually there's a way to, to uh, go back and put in led, but, Sometimes you're limited. All right. Here is a screw in bulb. 
and I've put the orange box over the important information because Heather, I want you to tell me what BR stands for. Oh boy. Uh, I, I was going to write it down. <laughs> you could almost, you can almost guess based on looking at the light, what BR stands for. Uh, Are you ready? Uh, tell me when you give up. Something round. Ooh. It's a good guess. Bulged reflector. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was very close. Right. So mm -hmm. look at this. It's bulged on the front. Mm -hmm. It's rounded. You see these all the time. And in Home Depot or places like that, you see these a lot because, again, they're angling or they're steering their own product mix towards homeowners. And if you're going to light a kitchen or a living room or something like that with can lights in the ceiling, this is a great option mm -hmm. because this bulged reflector spreads the light out more and makes it more aesthetically pleasing and softer. I bet that's not what we want in retail though. Exactly. Um, these will light the product, but it doesn't deliver the punch that we want that the other styles of lights that we're talking about will give you. Okay, so this is the other style light. Can you guess what PAR stands for? Um, Come on, uh, you can do it. I can? Okay. Uh... No, you can't really. Um, <laughs> it is parabolic aluminized reflector. I was so close. Yeah, you were going to say that. Okay, so a great option. You can also find these lights at the Home Depots of the world, but you have to look for them. A PAR, and in this case, this one here is a PAR 30H, 38, which describes the diameter of the front of the light. Um, PAR lights come in different sizes and shapes, like the ones down here below. Par 30s, par 20s. Um, so you got to make sure you're picking the right size. But in most retail applications, you want to shoot for a par light versus that BR light. They look from the outside of the package, unless you know what you're looking at, they look very similar. So just steer towards this one because it delivers more punch. And usually the beam angle is narrower on these. Definitely. Uh, this is an episode to watch on YouTube because he's got some great slides here. And uh, it's helping me, Brian. You're an excellent teacher. Thank you. I thank you so much. Okay. So we're looking at the outside of a package. You're at the store. We're looking at the package. And now that we've gone through these things, you know how to interpret what's going on here. Because mm -hmm. pretty much every light bulb has this kind of information on the package. And that's the BR. We don't want the BR. We want the PAR. Exactly. I got it. So you can see the bulge reflector there, and it's in the title, BR40. So BR means bulge reflector. You don't want that one, typically speaking, unless you're lighting a, I don't know, the, the kitchen area of the of the shop or a coffee area or something like that. I think I'm uh, going into Home Depot tonight just so I can talk lights in the oh, lighting yeah. environment and sound like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, go ahead and say, I'm looking for a uh, PAR 38 with about a 25 degree beam angle in 3000K. 
and they'll be like, whoa, whoa. dude, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so this light delivers 1100 lumens, like we just talked about, lasts for a long time, 15,000 hours. This one, this particular one is rated for damp locations, which just means you can put in a shower or something. Uh, it uses 13 watts of, of power, which is the equivalent of 85 watts in a traditional good old-fashioned bulb. Um, it is dimmable. You got to watch for that these days. We won't get into dimming, but if you have a condition or a spot where you want to be able to dim the lights, make sure you look for that. Warranty. This one has a 110 degree beam angle. Remember the, the angle that I'm using for spotlights most often is 25. This is much, much broader because it's a BR light and it's 3,500 K. A lot of times on lighting packages, they don't want it to look too scientific. -y, so they, they put names on these like natural white or daylight or Oh, I'm forgetting what the other terminologies are. Um, you have to watch for that. The 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 number with the K behind it is always there, so you can tell what it really is, regardless of what what they title, what they call that light. Mm. Makes sense. Do you feel so much more empowered to make a good decision now? I actually, this has really been very helpful. Yes. Right. You ready for some common lighting fails? I was going to ask you, are there common lighting fails you would share? Yes, and there will be a quiz after this. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, one common lighting fail failing is to uh, not accent focal points and features, not create that contrast that we talked about in the store. You have a... $15,000 bike in the front of the shop and you want that thing to sing. So you want to light that. You want to really create some great contrast, which could be lowering the light levels around it and increasing the light levels directly on it. Poor contrast. We're talking about the same thing there. Mixing color temperatures. Uh, you'll be able to spot that now, you know, now that you know what you're looking for. Uh, the use of old or inefficient technology, meaning old lights. Those ones that I showed you that I didn't recommend, you still see those in stores. It can make such a difference just to simply replace a bulb when it's old-fashioned technology with new, new technology. Um, you spend, you know... $10,000 on lights in the store, and then you don't aim them at the product. We see that all the time. Epic fail. So uh, once you've got those lights up, if it's if we're talking spotlights, you want to aim the lights at the product. It's kind of a duh, but we see it all done wrong all the time. Um, failure to maintain the existing lighting, meaning letting things burn out and just sit there. Or a track something happens to the track of lights and then that whole track no longer works. That's very common too. And there's no sense in letting that stay that way because it's not helping you. Oh, all right, Heather. <laughs> now that you're a lighting expert, tell me what you see going on here that we could handle better. Well, it looks like the lights are too far away from the product that they're not really 
they're it's dark in the back of the store they're not really lighting the product they're they're there but they're not doing their job well very very good this store is guilty of ambient light only there's there's four exceptions i think it might be in the whole store you see these little lights here yep <laughs> those are the only spotlights um so what they've done is they've used the lighting in the ceiling to create the ambient light level which nothing wrong with that but they're not adding the light to the product that helps it to sing mm -hmm. and overall the the overall light level is probably a bit too low if you put in the spotlights if you put in the accent lights that we would recommend that would help a ton and you wouldn't feel like you're looking into a cave all right, Heather, what do you see going on here? A lot of nice clothes. Mm -hmm. um, but lights. Okay, so I'm I'm drawn to the store name. Um, I'm drawn to all the clothes. It definitely looks like it, it's actually pulling me into the store. It's like making me want to like pull it, pull it, be pulled in and look to the left and look to the right. And I'm keep coming back to the name of the store because it's highlighted. Yes. I should have said that all the examples aren't bad ones. <laughs> this is an example of some really good things happening and you're keying into exactly the right stuff. The contrast that we were just talking about is handled really, really nicely there. You can see how the light is featuring the logo over there and features the important products in the space. And you can see variations in the light levels as you walk through the store. This just feels inviting. To your point, you want to walk in, you want to see well, where those lights are hitting other things in the store. It's really nice. Everything's very lit very consistently. Mix of ambient and spotlighting is really nice. Okay, next example. What do you see going on here? Wow. I mean, so some fantastic displays of mountain bikes. And I feel like the product is properly lit and... Um, yeah, my eye is equally looking, trying to look at all of them at the same time, interestingly enough. But yeah, I don't know. It feels good to me. Yep. Okay. So this one is lit well. It's got spotlights that are hitting the products in the right way. And you can tell eh, one giveaway is the fact that there's some nice crisp shadows behind the product. That means that there's some pretty intense light with a, with a, uh, from a small source that creates nice punchy light. Um, if you had lit this with too much flat light, it would be a completely different look. It wouldn't be nearly as aesthetically pleasing. All right, what do you see going on here, Heather? This is uh, the master class. This is your lightning round question. I mean, it just seems like uh, those lights up above are the wrong color so you you said don't mix don't mix colors of lights or bam yeah see <laughs> look at you go i'm i'm definitely going to the home depot tonight you didn't you didn't even know how to define the color temperature thing when we started but you're already making good decisions in color temperature I what they've got on here are, are enjoying are, <laughs> i hope everyone's rooting for me there are fluorescent lights out here that are raising the ambient light level and these are 5000k fixtures and then they've got these little par 20 
bulbs up here that by the way are too small based on the height of that light fixture they don't they don't really do anything down below you can see a little bit of difference on the floor but not much and these are 3000k so they've mixed the temperatures of the lights and underpowered the lights up here so it's it's hardly even worth leaving that track up there great part is you could go to the store and get some new heads to put in these tracks in a minute and fix that that's nice mm. all right all right i really um well i like the service lights like on the counter back there but i think this product especially product on, on the lower shelves of these displays is really hard to see and um uh, I, yeah, it's like, it's, I can't, I can't see what's down there. And I actually don't want to go down there because I'm afraid of the dark. <laughs> I guess I created this scenario where you have to look very critically at it. I really just wanted to show the lights, these, these lights to help oh. draw your attention to the service area. Like you, like you keyed in on the stuff in front is these are, these are actually lit pretty well <laughs> this store you know the dark fixtures and it would unless you put lights underneath the shelves you're always going to have some dark spots like that so i don't feel like this one's done poorly oh making me look like the bad person now i see i just, I just think you're really negative about this store <laughs> and if i owned this store i'd be really upset right now that's thanks, all i'm Brian. saying thanks <laughs> here's another good example um, I just wanted to bring in something that looks a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You can see the ambient lights are, are strips of lights. All the lights match. Um, there are spotlights. This photo appears to be taken in a, in a fairly flat way. You know, like I think that the contrasts inside the real store are probably better than what we see here in the photo. But they've got a lot of good things going on there that flatters the product good amount of light in there. And then this is very similar. This is a store that we did in Denver. That looks um, great. And I guess I'm bringing this up because we shouldn't forget to light things like graphics. If you've got a big tagline on the wall or a big logo on the wall, don't forget that those need light. Sure, the products need the light, um, but we can really make a great statement by lighting those important things. Okay, we're almost done here. One last thing. Natural light. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about natural light. Right. Love natural light. So we hear all the time. Um, uh, our store, we don't need many lights in the front part of the store because we have really big windows. And we're going to have a ton of natural light. That... Seems like it makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, I mean, not really. Natural light does increase the ambient light level inside the store, but it also does this. So this, this shows exactly what happens when you have a big window and you have products in front of that window. And that is that your eye adjusts to the very bright light that's outside. And the product that's in front of you is silhouetted. 
So it's not flattering at all to the product that you're trying to look at. In fact, it's really, really hard to see the product because of the natural light. And now, if, you want to let that light in though. I don't know. Right. Or I'm not saying that you don't want natural light in the store at all. Of course, it, because it is nice. It is. It's great to have natural light in the store. Um, but you got to think about, you got to be strategic about the way you deploy your light in the store to know that in this case, this light, this bike actually needs more light than it would typically because it's in the window. Yeah. And because your your eyes are adjusting to that backlighting condition. If you went outside the window, this light would be, or the natural light would be lighting this bike great because the light's behind you coming down on the product in front of you. But then we also have to think about at nighttime when we want to light the product in the windows too. Oh my gosh, yep. Brian, this is just when I thought I was doing so well. Now I'm... I'm glad you mentioned nighttime because I didn't mention nighttime. The most attractive time for most any shop with windows is nighttime because everything inside is lit perfectly and you don't have the ambient light from the sun fighting with it and everything is featured and you've got great contrasts and all that. So my suggestion, this is the last thing that I'm showing, is that in conditions like this, uh, contrary to what you might feel, this product needs more light. So power up the fixtures on the inside of windows like this, shine them directly on the product with a nice narrow beam angle and a good intense punchy light. And that's going to help these things display better during the day. Mm. There's a lot here, Brian. There's a lot here. I'm imagining, do you have retailers reaching out often to talk about lights? I, I think this is, I mean, you said it was a huge topic, but it it's such a huge topic. Um, we address the lighting in every store that we're working with when we're talking about the, the design of the store, for sure. Um. I would say that people don't often simply call and say, uh, we want to address our lighting. They might have a general sense that things are underperforming somehow, like the area in front of the store just doesn't look as good as it could. What do you recommend? And they might be thinking merchandising or they might be thinking fixtures or. Not even realize it's because of the lights. Yeah, exactly. And then when we come back, we one of our recommendations would be to change the lighting, do all the things that we just talked about to augment the lighting and do better merchandising and, you know, redesign things, whatever. Okay. Let's say a hypothetical situation. I, I have a 2000 square foot retail space. Um, 90% of it is showroom. Um, Let's let's back up. Sixty percent is showroom. The rest is office or service. Um, say, I hope it's not got ninety percent showroom because you won't have enough back room in that case. But yes. Okay. And so I want to do. I want to fix. I want to improve the lights. What I have now are old. Um, they're like strip lighting that came with the rental space. So I just really need to just do 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 something new and fresh how, like, what kind of investment should, are we talking like 10,000 and say, I wanted to do it economically, let's say, because I'm sure we have some people listening, thinking like, I can't invest $10,000 right now in lighting, or I can't invest 20,000. Like, I know this is a hard question, Brian, but. Well, 
It's really, it's an impossible question to answer <laughs> without seeing the store. Well, you give but, me hard questions, so. I know, I know. I'm, I'm willing to play along. We just did a store that was in the neighborhood of 2,000 square feet. And for all of the lighting products that we put into that store, he ended up spending about $3,500. Oh, okay. All right. Doing we it on the cheap, you know, like trying to make things as economical as possible. Okay. All right. It is possible to get the lighting products for that kind of a price. It's uh, that's, you know, I would say for that store somewhere between that number and 10,000 is really what your range might be for the products themselves. But then the, the real big thing that's impossible to say without, without seeing that actual store is the conditions of the electrical in, inside there. One other question. An electrician has to get in and rip out everything that was previously there and rewire things that can get costly really quick. Most often that's not the case. If it's tracks that have been on the ceiling, uh, most of the time you can just get new track heads that have performed better and you don't have to deal with the, the electrical problem per se. Sorry, another question that comes to my mind is, let's say a retailer thinks, okay, my lighting is pretty good, uh, but it's all of similar style and there's no spotlights or no decorative lighting. Do you recommend that adding a spotlight or a decorative lighting gives the area some added appeal? Like, is that something that people should be thinking about if they don't have, if they only have one type of lighting, it, would that be an easy thing to do that might add another dimension to the space? Well, you're the lighting expert now. What do you think? Uh, since you have yes. given me the authority of lighting expert, I would say yes. <laughs> sure. I mean, if the store is over, let's say you've got, 10,000 fluorescent fixtures in the store. So the light is really bright right now, but you, you want to call out some product more specifically. You want to create the contrast that we're looking at. That might mean turning off or dimming or removing some of the existing fixtures to create the space, to create the ability to put in spotlights or a, a decorative light or an accent light that, that does its job. But most of the time, that's not probably going to be the case. And most of the time, if you just simply add some spotlighting or add some accent lighting, it's going to help a ton. And that doesn't have to be very expensive at all. Okay. One more final question. Because you really got me that now I want to just be the best I can be at understanding lighting. We go into some of these places, uh, restaurants or retail uh, spaces, and we see lights that wow us. And these are the decorative lights, like something that we've never seen before. And we're just, I you know, point it out to your, whoever you're with and be like, look at that light. You know, it's like a big deal. Do you suggest that bicycle retailers consider some kind of accent light that gets people talking like that? Like, is that something that you uh, like to try to incorporate into your designs that you do? Yes. Ooh. In a word. Well, sure. I mean, you want to create interest in the store. If a special light fixture that generates some interest helps to focus your attention in a certain way in that part of the store, then 
you know, of course it makes sense. And then I guess follow up, sorry, not the last question. Would you put that over like the cash and wrap or over a signature bike or over a fit area? Like, is there a better space to use that in the store? It just depends on what, what the store needs. Like analyze what, what's not performing for you. And I don't mean monetarily, but, or that could be monetarily, but what, what just isn't living up to your expectations for the store. Maybe the shoe area just is kind of bleh and could use a little bit of extra interest or make the products sing a little bit better than that would be a great reason to bring in some something there. The, the lights over the cash wrap, uh, we typically use a different rather decorative style light over that because it's a good intuitive signal that this is a an important spot in the store to a customer. So same thing applies to like service writing areas, the cash wrap area, a special display, like a featured product. Uh, clothing is another good spot for a, a decorative or a an accent style light. Now I'm going to be analyzing lighting every time I go into stores because I'm going to be knowing that they're doing stuff with the lighting just to pull my brain over there or whatever. So I, uh, there was a, there's a retailer in Indianapolis that we worked with for years and uh, we were sitting at dinner one night and he said, out of the blue, he said, damn you, Brian. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was like, what, what I do? And he said, I'm sitting here talking to you and all I'm thinking about is the dumb light that's behind you because we've been talking about the lighting and I can no longer walk into this restaurant without being bugged by that light that's sitting right there. Yeah. So that's what your problem is going to be now. I know, but I love, I love these podcasts. Every time you and I connect and we do a podcast, we run through something. I do get a great education uh, and I hope our listeners feel the same way. Uh, if you are listening, if you're riding or in the car, definitely head over to YouTube. Brian showed a ton of great photos today and a ton of slides that there's so much value. Um, so yeah, Brian, thank you so much. No, thank you. We did it again. Uh, Listeners, submit your questions, your videos, your photos, design at nbda.com. Send us those things that you're proud of in your store and anything you're doing in your store to keep your customers safe with uh, respect to electric bikes. Yeah. yeah. Brian, thank happy Valentine's Day. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Uh, so I hope this episode gets the wheels turning. Ask us anything we want to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being awesome. And with this, we go. Bye, Brian. Bye. Thank you for listening to Bicycle Retail Radio. This podcast is designed specifically for the bicycle industry, dedicated to strengthening our retailers and cycling community. If it is your first episode, we urge you to take the time and listen to our past episodes. The NBDA values the importance of deep interpersonal connections, and our Retailer Summit is designed to be a catalyst for just that. Attending the Retailer Summit in May ensures you meet the right people who know the bicycle industry, respect your business, and want to help you grow, both personally and professionally. It's an easy way to take your business to the next level through networking, engaging with panelists and speakers, problem solving with your fellow attendees, 
followed by ample riding time on world-class trails. Go to nbda.com slash retailersummit for more information and to get your tickets today.